0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. This is something that needs to be said, and we we are so close to the return of Jesus Christ so close to really the end of this dispensation and people are asleep man i mean it blows my mind that that people are are as asleep as they are i mean you can't i don't understand how people can't see what's going on around the world and think you know everything is is fine and you know i don't i don't know how they've slipped into like a zombie state and they're just like Floating through life. And so I wanted to take you through today and talk about from the word three things that we had better know that we had better know for sure in 2020. Of course, we're in the last half of 2020, which I prophesied last year. These would be the best six months of our lives for those that are faithful. Best six months of your life, not of this year of any six months to complete a year that you've ever had. And uh, we've set our faith for that. It's our year of violent increase, expedited favor, no question about it. And um, so as we enter in, I want to talk to you about um, the difference. You know, what is the difference? You know, if you think about that, what is the main difference between uh, what we would call Christianity today in America, Canada, Western Europe, what we would call Western Christianity? What's the difference today from early church Christianity, from first century, uh, Jesus Christ and the apostles style Christianity. Why is it different? How is it different? And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this today, because this right here will shake your whole life up. You cannot, let me just emphasize this. You cannot, you cannot go with the flow of Americanized Christianity in the day we're living in. And think that everything's going to be okay. You cannot do it. It's not going to work. It absolutely is not going to work. And so that's why today I'm going to talk about some of these elements that made first century Christianity, first century Christianity. Why this religion exploded around the world, even in a time of extreme persecution. And, um, you know, I used to say, well, you know, America doesn't know anything about that. Get ready. Because as you can see... We're already looking at persecution in America, and and I know we're on still a low level. It's not at a violent level yet, but we're already they're testing the persecution waters. If you have not uh, understood what's going on, they're testing the persecution waters. I mean, you look at the things that are that are happening, what they're saying to us. It's insane that you can look at the fact. Let me and I'm, I'm just going to say this plainly: you can look at the fact that. 90 some percent, the high 90s, I believe when I talked last time to someone, it was 99.7% of people who contract coronavirus, they recover from it with no issue. Of the people that have it that they're finding now, they don't have any symptoms, literally no symptoms. My contractor that's working at my house told me, he was like, I just got coronavirus for like three days. He was like, I had to be quarantined in my house for 10 days. He said, if they're shutting down the nation over what I went through, he said, this is the biggest fear-mongering that we've ever seen in the history of America. He said, it was nothing. He said, it was absolutely nothing. And he said, you know, I was blown away by the time I came out of it. He said, my, my my perception of what corona was and what it did to you and what actually happened to me, he said, it's, it's a total sham. And so uh, now they're showing us that the... Actual death tolls are going way down even though because of testing spikes are going up in cases reported the death tolls are way way down. They showed even for older people that you're you're more likely to die of dying than you are to die of coronavirus just die of old age die of other things. It's gone below the normal death count for older people. So you can see that it's a form of control and persecution. You know put that mask on you can't come in without a mask get some rubber gloves whatever. It's, and it, and it's, it's insane. I think it was uh, de Blasio who said in New York, he said, um, Christians in churches should have to wear masks, but the reason that they, um, th- the ones that are protesting, the ones that are in the streets shouldn't have to wear them is because of the profound significance and importance of what's going on in the streets. The profound significance and importance of what's going on in the streets as if what's going on in our churches is not profound or important, they have lost their minds. One, I saw one journalist write that he's the worst um, mayor of New York City in the history of the city, which is huge to say that. But you can see now, you look at what's going on. What was mandated in California that you know you can't sing and you know, all this in your in your church services. That is a form. If you don't know it, that is a form. Of persecution that can't be ignored. It just absolutely can't be ignored. And there are people that are swallowing this stuff, hook, line, and sinker, sinker, as if, well, you know, we just got to, we need to know that it's important for us to comply for a little while while these things are happening. And then, you know, obviously, as things get better, you know, they'll give us our rights back. They don't give rights back. They're testing to see what they can take, what they can uh, limit. And you've got Christians that are like with their heads in the sand that are just laying down and accepting these things as though they're normal. And, you know, you've got Christians that, you know, attend churches that refuse to open like they literally refuse to open. I had, uh, I heard a preacher say from his uh, online pulpit, he said, you know, everybody's saying they want us to open back up. He said, we're not going to open back up until Jesus himself tells me. It's time to open back up. And I thought to myself, well, that's insane because number one, Jesus himself never told you to close your church. You know, I would have had a lot more, I honestly would have had a lot more um, respect for people that, you know, were, were, were doing this if they had the Holy Spirit tell them before anything ever hit, before March, before the quarantine, and they had the Holy Spirit tell them, I feel it, we need to change the way we have service or whatever. And they all shut down when the government said shut down. But when the government said open back up, they also no, we're not doing it. Not until we feel. Not until we feel to do it. And so, number one, Jesus never told you to close the church down. And so he, does, he shouldn't have to tell you to open it back up. You know, if you've got other things that are open all around you and the government said it's fine for you to reopen and you don't, there's a problem with that. Because it shows that you don't think... Either that or you're afraid of the legal ramifications of what could happen. I'm sure many of these people are being guided by legal teams. And so I'm sure that there are many people that are afraid of what could happen in the legal realm and, you know, understandable, but you have to make up your mind. No one's forcing anybody to go to church, but for people that want to go to church, there should be an open door for somebody to go to church and, um, One of the things I'm realizing is, is that we're, we're, one of the things that the the quarantine showed me and that the lockdown showed me, and now all this stuff that's going on is showing me is that people that I, I thought were strong in faith weren't really as strong as they proclaimed to be not only in faith, but in the word of God. There's a lot of people that don't believe the word of God, like they said that they did. And that's interesting to me. People that even I respected and thought, man, there's no way that they'll ever bend on this. They'll never bow on this. It really opened my eyes to see that there are a lot of people who don't believe the word of God like they said they did. And that's one of the marks. And let me let me get into these because we need to talk about it. It's one of the marks of New Testament Christianity. You know, one of the things they've worked so hard to do in the last, what, three, four, five decades is to minimize the importance of the word of god amongst preachers and Christians and churches. And let me explain what I mean by that. So you don't think I'm just saying crazy stuff. There was a an internationally known minister that has a massive church in the US who did a series at his church and basically said that the bible is no longer the only thing that needs to be preached and taught to this generation because of the fact we have a lot of people that don't believe the Bible's God's word. Well, yes, we have a lot of people that believe that that the Bible's not God's word. But see, the problem with that thought process is that you think we can get people saved by getting them interested. Let me stop right there and get you to hear what I'm saying. There are preachers who think we can get people saved by getting them interested, which is a total lie of the devil. You cannot get people, quote unquote, interested in Christianity. What I mean when I say that is, they think if you create an engaging experience at your church, if you tell stories and make it exciting and have a good um, you know, light show and the great uh, engaging worship and all these things, that we can draw people in that we're seeking something and get them interested in what they're and what we're doing and if we can get them interested in what we're doing and engage their minds and stuff we can get them to understand that Christianity is for them they honestly believe that you know you have to use other means because the other means is actually what draws people in if you tell engaging stories if you use uh, better presentations you know all these different things the the problem with that is what they're saying is you have to engage the human mind in order to bring somebody into the kingdom. That if we don't engage their human mind, the Bible doesn't teach that. That's why Paul was very clear with the Roman church. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So without the gospel being preached, you know, God has chosen The foolishness of preaching. You can't get around that. You can't get around that. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Look at Daniel Davis on YouTube commenting. She goes, she attends my uncle Terry Shuttlesworth's church in Virginia Beach. She said, I'm so glad my church stayed open. I had a friend suffering severe depression during the pandemic. I invited her to church and prayed for her and depression left her mind and she's doing much better. You know, churches are more essential than any other place in the nation. Do you realize, and I've I've mentioned this on the broadcast before, back when they were building this nation, they would build, anytime they would found a city or a town, they would build the church first. History will show you this if you go back and study history. They would build the church buildings first in the center of town, and everything else Would be built out from the church. They understood that the church, Christ, God, was the center of civilization. You look at nations that are not considered quote unquote Christian nations, or, you know, it it blows your mind to see the the poverty, the violence. You know, you leave man to, to his own devices and see what happens. And so I want you to understand this is that. They, they think if we can get people interested in Christianity, that some, somehow we'll, we'll be able to bring them into the kingdom. The Bible does not teach that by any means. No way, shape, or form are you going to get a dead person interested in Christianity. And the Bible's clear that people who are unsaved are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. You cannot get a dead person to be interested in in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. It comes through the preaching of the gospel. And that's why Paul said it. I'm not ashamed. Paul's least effective endeavor is when he went to Athens and tried to use philosophy to get people interested in God. And he stood amongst the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers and used their uh, their pedestal that was dedicated to an unknown God and then he began to tell them who the unknown God was, and, and they listened to him, but no, almost no one was converted. The Bible says a few people were converted and followed after him, and a few said, we'll listen to you again, and the rest were just sa- saying he was crazy. So he tried to use that method and recognized the fact it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not work. You cannot use debate. You can't use Uh, great presentations. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the preaching of the gospel. That's what brings people from death unto life. It transmits them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of uh, God's dear son, Jesus Christ. So they're they're teaching preachers like me. They're trying to tell the younger generation of preachers, you know, don't use so much scripture. You know, that turns people off. They're not used to hearing so much Bible Don't preach so much scripture, you know, use more stories and use more illustrations and use, and they really want us basically, if you look at the trend, they want us basically to maybe, maybe read one verse or like a portion of a verse and then spend the rest of our time telling stories and doing illustrations and presentations and think there's going to be power on that. They think there's going to be an anointing on that. I sat one time in a service with a guy who tried to be super relevant like that, and I was annoyed that I wasn't didn't have the opportunity to preach in that service because I looked across the crowd. There were so many young people who needed a change from the Holy Ghost. And I watched as this guy, this hipster, gave his presentation. I won't even say I watched him preach because he didn't preach. I watched him give his presentation and he did his little act and his little pre-prepared thing that he does everywhere that he goes in a can, opens it up and gives it to the crowd. He had videos that were synchronized to his talk. He had sound effects that were synchronized to his talk. And I watched this dude preach for over an hour and a half. He had the microphone and he never once quoted a verse of scripture, never once opened his Bible to read a verse of scripture. And. And on top of that, he never even referenced a scripture. What I I mean by that is he didn't even say like, well, how many of you know, the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal bodies. He didn't even quote a scripture from his spirit, nothing. There was no text read. There was no scriptures quoted. It was just him giving a nice little presentation that he had canned that he brings everywhere that he goes. And is able to open the can, turn on the videos, turn on the sound effects. And there's no power. There's no power. Nobody's changed by that. Nobody is changed by that. You might as well open up YouTube and watch TED Talks. He didn't give, of course he didn't give an altar call. Steve said, did he give an altar call? Of course not. You know, I was just preaching for a pastor in Michigan. And he told me, he said, I'm so thankful to see how uh, you're operating as a ministry. He said, I'll have a lot of evangelists that will come in here. They don't even take altar calls anymore. I thought, hold on a second. How can you have an evangelist come into your church proclaiming to be an evangelist and not even give people the opportunity to be saved? That's not an evangelist. It's a traveling talker is basically all that is. And it blew my mind that people really believe, they truly believe that we can get the dead interested in the kingdom. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so I want you to hear what I'm saying to you today. One of the things that we're going to have to have to have, if if we're going to have New Testament style Christianity, if we're going to have first century style Christianity, then we are going to have to, number one, this is the first thing that I'm going to say you better know and you you better have it working in your life. We had better base our lives on the word of God. We had better base our lives. This right here, the mighty word of God. I believe it. I speak it. I stand on it. I will not back off of it. I'll obey this way before I'll obey a man or a government. You hear me on that one. There's my buddy, Jordan Bradford. Love you. Let me tell you something. I'll stand on this way before I'll believe a man or I'll obey a government. I love Acts 5.29. We obey God rather than men. I don't care. As soon as the the people in authority start contradicting what the Word of God says, you know, we're not... let, Let me just give you something. Singing in church is not a luxury. It's not just some side thing that we have the ability to do. We are commanded to sing. Hear what I'm saying to you today. The Scripture commands us to sing. The scripture commands us to sing unto the Lord a new song. Throughout scripture, we're commanded to sing. What does the Bible say in Ephesians? For people that are uh it said, don't be drunk with wine whereas in excess, but be filled with the spirit. What does it say for people that are filled with the Holy Ghost? It says that they'll uh, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs unto God, making melody to the Lord in their hearts. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're commanded. if we're filled with the Spirit, if we're Christians, we're commanded to sing. If you think it'll be a cold day in hell before I'll ever stop praising God because of some governmental order mandate. Cold day in hell. It'll be a cold day in hell. These politicians and, and, and state officials think they're going to shut the church down and our ability to praise God. You've got another thing coming, my friend. You're out of your freaking mind. If you think that I'm going to violate God's word because of a government mandate, you've lost your mind. You don't, you don't even understand what the word of God's about. You know, people are so dumb. And and you hear what I'm saying. In this generation, how many people did you hear screaming Romans 13 during the pandemic? How many nut job Christians did you see screaming Romans 13 in their Facebook uh, walls and, you know, their Instagram, Twitter accounts? Romans 13, just obey those that are in authority over you. How many times do you hear those people calling that out? And notice, when the government commanded churches to open back up again, where was the Romans 13 people then? (laughs) Where were all the Romans 13 people when the government said open your church? now we don't listen to them. Listen to them when they say close, but don't listen to them when they say open. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, Tina. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, understand it. Where were the same people that said, Romans 13, obey your ofi- officials, obey the officials. Let me tell you what I would quote if I was going to be a smart Christian. I'd quote Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6 if you really want to talk about how it's really going. Because in Daniel chapter 3 and Daniel chapter 6, it was a whole other story. Bow to my statue. We only bow to the Lord God. Stop praying. Stop praying unless you're going to pray to the king. I pray to the Lord my God every single day. So what did they get? Fiery furnace and lion's den. You know why? Because they said, we refuse to obey men rather than God. Acts. That's what Acts 5.29 is about. Don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you think we're going to obey you and stop preaching Jesus Christ because you don't like it with your little antichrist spirit? You've lost your mind. You're a nut job. If you think... I'm bowing my knee, and I've been blown, blown away by the weakness of some Christians that I thought for sure were Bible-believing Christians. But people don't stand on the word. They don't truly believe it. They don't. They don't believe Psalm 91. If I had to hear one more person get up and say, well, brother, of course we believe in the power of God, but I also got to use wisdom. If I had to listen to one more person say that, I was going to just punch a hole through my computer screen. Well, brother. Well, brother. We. I know power of God and everything, but we got to use wisdom. Wisdom was their buzzword to cover fear. Wisdom was their buzzword to cover fear. Basically, if we're going to do, if you have ever seen that thing on, uh, on uh, YouTube, honest trailers. If trailers were honest for movies, let me tell you what. The, if if we were doing honest posts, what they should have been saying. <sighs> I'm censoring, but let me just tell you something. Well, brother, we 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 understand the power of God, but they don't understand the power of God. They don't understand the word. They don't believe the word. Psalm ninety-one does not mean to them what Psalm ninety-one means to me. I guarantee you that, because I ain't wearing a mask. I ain't wearing gloves. I ain't buying a hazmat suit on on Amazon. People going around with a freaking face shield, a face shield, like you're in riot gear, face shield. Give me a break. You got Christians running around. That's why I said it at the very beginning of the whole thing. That's why exactly why I said you have to make up your mind. Do your hands heal the sick or do they catch and spread diseases? Can't be both. Can't be both. And if we're going to have New Testament style Christianity, look at Acts chapter 2. The Bible says this. I'll go towards the end of the chapter. And the Bible says this. You want to know why the church grew so rapidly? You want to know why it exploded across every uh, region where they were? Listen to this. I'm going to read you the whole passage from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through the end. Acts 2, 42 through the end, listen. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That was number one. That was number one. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine has to be preeminent. It has to be the number one thing. What does the word say? What does the word of God say? It has to be number one. If it's not number one, you better close up shop. Because there's, here's why I say that. There's nothing more powerful in the universe than the word of God. Psalm 138 and verse two, the Bible says, he has magnified his word above his name. You see that he has magnified his word above his name. There's nothing higher than God's word, nothing. And if you're going to lay that word down and say that it doesn't do what it says it does, it doesn't mean what it says it means. You've, you've already lost. You've already lost. Well, you know, I believe the Bible is a good book, but I don't believe it's the inspired inerrant word of God. Then you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. If you don't believe the Bible is an in, is the inerrant inspired word of God, you're not a Christian. I know that hurts some people to hear it. You're not. This is the guide. This is God's word. And then look at what they did. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship means they had to get together fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. How many Christians don't even pray anymore? <clears throat> Four years ago, maybe six years ago now, when I wrote Praise, Laugh, Repeat, I found the statistic that the average Christian in America prays less than five minutes a day. Five minutes. And that included, by the way, their mealtime prayers. Here, it says that they, you know how I know they were praying every day? Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John were on the way to the temple at the hour of prayer, which means they had an hour of prayer every day. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Let me tell you something you can't have signs and wonders if you don't believe and preach the word. These signs shall follow them that believe. You have to be a believer in this word before signs and wonders can follow you. There's no, 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 it doesn't blow my mind why many churches don't have signs and wonders. They don't preach the word. They won't preach the word. They won't preach. He's a healer. They won't preach. He's a deliverer. They won't preach. He's the baptizer and the Holy ghost. They just won't. And the Bible says "Then many signs, and all that believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and parted uh, them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. You see that? Every day they went to the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God. Having the and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. There's churches throughout America where there's not people added to them yearly, let alone daily. They're shrinking, not growing. It's because they won't stand on the word, they won't believe the word, they won't preach the word, they don't see the effects of the word. You can't have something that's alive continue to die and shrink. You hear me. I'm not telling you today that the church is in trouble because the church of Jesus Christ is not in trouble. But there are people who have eliminated themselves from being part of the growing church of Christ. The church is not in trouble because Jesus is the head of the church. And the Bible says, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You can't prevail against the true church. Let me tell you something. The churches that are doing it are having explosive growth, not only in this nation, around the world, in nations where there are extreme persecution and violent persecution. Extreme growth is happening. The largest crowds in the history of anything are happening right now in Christian Pentecostal gatherings and crusades. Do you realize that? Some of you that are watching me don't understand how huge this is. I'm going to say it again. The largest crowds in the history of the world for any purpose, any purpose at all, sporting events, music festivals, political rallies, the largest crowds, in the history of the world are taking place right now for Pentecostal Christian gatherings and crusades. That should open your eyes to see that the ones that are still doing it right are still having growth like Jesus said and did. The apostles did and the church did. And it's why the early church exploded throughout the world, even in a time of three centuries of extreme persecution. Until the peace of the church. So understand what I'm telling you. Those that are still doing it the right way. Standing on the word. Don't hear, don't listen to this broadcast or podcast today. And think that I'm telling you that the church is in trouble. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that the Bible prophesied. That there would be a great falling away. That the hearts of many would grow cold. It doesn't mean they're a part of the church anymore. Because you can't fall away from something. And still be a part of it. So, do I think we're seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, do I think things like the hyper grace movement have played into this, and the seeker sensitive movement have played into Bible prophecy? Absolutely, I do. You don't. You can't. You can't tell me that that the doctrine that your actions don't matter, hyper grace. Your actions don't matter. Your sins don't matter. You don't even need to repent if you make a mistake because your past, present, and future sins are already forgiven by the blood of Jesus and you can never be taken out of the hand of God. And blah blah. blah all these things. You can't tell me that that doesn't play a role in people's hearts growing cold and them falling away from the faith. Absolutely it does. Because what people fail to realize is that... <clears throat> You still have a flesh that wants to please itself rather than please the Lord. And if you don't have a spiritual atmosphere that actually cares about what God thinks, then your flesh is going to take over. And it's what's happening with many people. It was prophesied by the apostle Paul that in the last days, people would be lovers of pleasure and lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. We're seeing that. We're seeing that right now today. People are, you know how I know? Because the average Christian, Western Western Christianity, the average Christian goes to church once about every four to five weeks. Some statistics say six weeks. So I attend church one Sunday out of five or six Sundays you're telling me you're supposed to be sold out and on fire for God. No, you're not. You're not at all. You don't give a crap about the kingdom of God. And I'll go further than that. You're just going there to shoot it into your arm, like some kind of a spiritual drug. So you feel better about whatever you've been doing throughout the six weeks. People don't care. Don't try to explain to me that you're on fire for God and you're sold out for the kingdom and you love the Lord. If you can't even get to his house one day out of the week, don't tell me that you're on fire because you're a liar. You know, I know when I fell in love with my wife uh, before I met her or before we got married, I mean, when I just met her and uh, I I knew that I was in love with her. Let me tell you something. I didn't want to see her one day every six weeks. Anybody on here that's ever been in love, you don't want to see that person one day every six weeks I say, well, you know, we already saw, we already saw each other, you know, three days ago. We don't really need to see each other again. We just saw each other. No, if you're in love, you want to see somebody every single moment of every single day. You don't want to be apart from them. You want to be with them, next to them. I remember I used to, Uh, get off work. I wouldn't wait until I changed my clothes or I'd have my work clothes on. She'd ever, I'd go and drive to wherever she was, wherever she was. You know, I wanted to just be with her. Why? I loved her and I still love her to this day. And the thing is, people are trying to get by with the lie that they love the Lord and that they're on fire and that they're, you know, that they're, I'm, I'm burning up on fire for God. I'm sold out to God. You don't care about God. You don't care about the kingdom. And people use the stupid, stupid excuse, stupid excuse that, well, you know, the church is not a building, Brother Ted. The church is not a building. The church is us. That's such a stupid thing to say. I can't even begin to tell you. People that say that as an excuse, it, it makes you stupid. It makes you a stupid person to use that argument. Well, I don't care. We don't need to go to the church. We are the church. You're stupid if you think that because you can't be a Christian and not obey what the word of God said to do and and obey the actual example of the apostles and the early church. We're commanded to come together. Okay, so if we're commanded to come together in the word of God, you can't choose whether or not to obey that. It's the same. Let me just tell you this. All of God's commands carry the same weight. Put that in the comments. All of God's commands carry the same weight. Put it in the comments section and never forget it. Every one of God's commands carries the same weight. So, I can't neglect the command to gather together and to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25. I can't choose to ignore that one any more than I can choose to ignore thou shalt not kill. You know, you can't say, well, you know, I know God said you shouldn't kill or murder, but you know, I'm the church, so, you know. It's what the Hyper Grace Movement's doing. You can do anything you want because, you know, it's not about you. It's about him. No, it's about you. It's about you. It's a covenant. There's two sides. Covenant's not one-sided. It's two-sided. So it is about you. And the way I know it's about you is because of what Jesus himself said when he appeared to the churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3 and told them it was about them and said, hey, I've been watching your deeds I've been watching your actions. And one thing I can tell you is that you don't love me like you once did. Turn there. You guys, maybe if you've never seen that, turn there. Revelation. I'm going to prove it to you. It is about you. It's not about me. It's it's not about what I do. It's about what he's done. No, it's about you. And Jesus was ticked off. The people did whatever they wanted to do. Let's go to first to Revelation 2. Under the angel of the church, this is the first verse. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you can't bear them which are evil. Now has tried them which say they're apostles and they're not. They've, and found them to be liars and you've borne the, and have patience for my namesake and labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have something against you because you don't, you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you're fallen and repent and do the works or else. Now, look at this. Jesus said, or else. That's a threat. Do what you used to do. Remember your first love. Go back to love me like you once did or else. What's the or else? He says, or else I will come to you quickly and I will remove your candlestick out of its place unless you repent. You see that Jesus, Jesus didn't show up to that church of Ephesus and say, well, you know, I I know what's going on, but I don't look at you uh, through what you're doing. I look at you based upon my blood and the filter of my blood and what I've done for you. He didn't say that at all. He said, I've been watching your works. You don't love me like you once did repent or else I will come back to you and I'll remove your candlestick from its place. Go to the third chapter. Let me show you this. Um, verse 14, chapter three of Revelation. He, uh, the Bible says, and to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. Look at this one. I know your works. Once again, it is about you. You are neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Think about that. I will vomit you out of my mouth. So well, it's not about what we do, brother. It's about what he did. No, it's about what you do. And Jesus made that clear. When he showed back up and told them, unless you repent, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Literally, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It makes God sick for people to not be cold or hot. He said, I really wish you would be cold over lukewarm. I'd rather you just be sinful and proud to be sinful than to pretend that you're holy and still be sinful. And so... I want you to hear this today. There's people that are going around. You think that that, that doesn't play into the, the falling away of the church? You think that doesn't play into, um, you know, the hearts of many growing cold? Of course it does. Yes, Norman, I believe in apostles today. I believe in the entire fivefold ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I don't believe apostles. Now, obviously, there's no apostles of the Lamb left on the earth. There were only 12 of those, and they're gone. But I still believe there's apostles today, even though we're not adding to the canon of Scripture, scripture anymore. The Bible's com- the canon of Scripture is complete. God's given us His Word. The church is established. But there are still apostles on the earth today. But it blows my mind that people think you can do whatever you want to do. We need to have people that are on fire. That's why I love coming on here with you every day because I know that, because I can see the shouts in the comments. I can see the amens. I understand there's people every now and then that jump on that don't agree. That's fine. I want them to hear it too. But I thank God for you because we're going to be a people that will not compromise what the word of God said. Number one, I told you I was going to give you three things that you must know, especially in 2020 and the day we're living in. Number one is you can't compromise the word of God. You cannot compromise the word of God. If it says it, we've got to believe it. We've got to stand on it. We've got to do it. Cannot. That's it. Pastor Jordan said, you can't violate God's principles and still receive his promises. That's what the covenant is. You can't violate his principles and still receive his promises. And so, I'm thanking God for you because we're going to be the remnant of people. Our hearts aren't growing cold. We're not going to lay down to the spirit of this world. We're not going to be the people that sit around and just say, well, you know, life, that's how life is. That's how life is. No, absolutely not. We're going to be the remnant that's on fire that gets stronger as the days get colder than weaker. I refuse to be weak. I refuse to back off of the truth of God's holy written word. I don't care what the, all the, the hipsters are saying, well, don't use so much scripture and don't preach the, you know, just give them stories and give them, no, I'm going to preach the scripture. As much, If people if preachers want to back off using the Bible, I'll use way more of the Bible. Way more. Any powerful preacher that's ever existed has been a man of the word. Any of them. Anyone that ever shook the world has been a man or woman of the Word of God. I promise you that. You go back and study through history. I've already done it. They are people of the Word. And they stand on the Word and believe it. I believe it. You're going to tell me... You know, this is why people are so foolish. They, they they look at things like even Psalm 91. Well, brother, that's not really for us today. That was Old Testament. You honestly think that God was going to make promises to his Old Testament people that are going to be better than or exceed the goodness and promises of his New Testament people who have the benefit of being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, that we are redeemed, that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And you think that he's going to give better promises to the old who didn't have Jesus than he gives to us when the Bible says in Hebrews uh, that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So you're telling me I'm living in a better covenant, but I can't even claim the protective power of God that they had in an old imperfect covenant thousands of years ago. You don't understand God because it's progressive. God's doing better things for his people today than were happening in the Old Testament if you don't know that you don't understand the benefits of being in Christ that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that's ephesians 1: 3 you, there was not one person in the Old Testament not one who was blessed with every Spiritual blessing. Not one, not one person. Mackenzie, the old covenant was imperfect because it could not uh, redeem man. The old covenant was imperfect because it couldn't remove sins. It could not give you eternal life with God. It could only cover your sins for a portion of time, but it could not remove your sins. But Christ's blood is an ever-present sacrifice. That removes your sins as far as the East is from the West. It redeems you and makes you a new creature. But the old covenant couldn't do that. It just put the blood over your sins so that God looked at the blood instead of looking at your sins of a nation. But now the blood of Jesus is ever present, the Bible says, and it has not covered our sins. It has removed our sins so that we're not even the same people we used to be. And so the old covenant was imperfect in that way, whereas the new covenant is perfect. That we are now new creations. We are God-like beings because of Jesus' blood. And so I want you to hear this today. It's so very important that we understand that we've got to know the word of God is preeminent. Let me move on to number two. I'll give you these last two relatively quickly. Number two... The Holy Ghost. You can't back off the Holy Ghost in 2020. In the day and age we're living in, don't think for a minute that you're going to be a powerful Christian or a powerful preacher and and water down the power of the Holy Ghost or back off the message of the Holy Ghost. You better know that if we're going to be victorious Christians and people, then we've got to have Holy Ghost manifestations we better be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We had better be Holy Ghost people, not just word people, Holy Ghost people. We better be having signs and wonders and miracles. You better be able to stand on the supernatural power of God. If they come up, if they start trying to come to you and say, well, you know, if you don't do this and if you don't do that, we're going to cancel your insurance if you won't wear a mask, if you won't get a a vaccination from Bill Gates, if you won't get this uh, trackable thing that lets us know you took the vaccine, if you won't do all that, we're going to cancel your insurance. You don't think that's something they can do? You better believe it's something they can do. Well, because now you're uh, you're dangerous. Now, to put you out in society... Now you're a threat to society because you don't have the vaccine and you don't have the trackable chip so that we know you're safe and you don't wear a mask. And so we're not letting you into stores. We're not letting you out to buy or sell. We're not going to let you do anything because we just don't know if you're safe or not. So we're going to cancel your insurance. You better know you've got Holy Ghost power and and the insurance that you need is the Holy Ghost. You better know it. Otherwise, you have to bend your knee. Otherwise, you've got to lay down and just take whatever comes. Problem. That's a problem, my friend. If you're going to depend on men. See, the Bible says, cursed is the man. Let me flip over there and show it to you. This will ring your bell, if you will. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse five, if you're putting notes in the comments, Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse five, listen to this one. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, whose heart departs from the Lord. <laughs> oh man. I mean, think about that whose heart departs from the Lord. One translation says, and in doing so, turns his heart away from God. So what what the prophet Jeremiah is saying here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that when you put your trust in men over putting your trust in God, a curse comes upon your life and you turn your heart away from the Lord. When you start trusting in a man over trusting in God, as a follower of God, it brings a curse. Think about it. It brings a curse on your life because what you're saying is, now think about it logically. What you're saying is, I believe man can help me more than God can help me. It's a demonic lie. There's no man that can help you. There's no doctor, there's no lawyer, there's no government assistance that can help you like God can help you. Nobody. Nobody, my friend. And so if you think that in 2020 that we're going to sit here and depend on men to save us, you've lost your mind. You better be word-based, but my friend, you better be Holy Ghost-filled and ready for the power of God to use you. You better be Holy Ghost-dependent. I'm a dependent on the Holy Ghost. I need his power. I need his glory. That's why Jesus said it. That's why it blows my mind hearing these guys. They're like, well, you know, brother, we don't get into all of that stuff with the Holy Ghost. No, so we just preach Jesus. We just do the main thing. You've missed it because you can't preach Jesus without preaching the Holy Ghost because the Bible says that even Jesus... He said, I can't stay here with you. I've got to leave so that I can send you another comforter. And when he comes, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And when, when you receive, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So even Jesus knew his job was not even completed until he sat down at the right hand of the father and prayed that the father would send the Holy Ghost. Jesus wasn't done until the day of Pentecost. You ever think of that? Jesus prophesied. That means until those prophecies came to pass for the church, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. He'll come. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. You have no need that any man should teach you for he teaches you all things. When the Holy Ghost came, that was the finality of redemption story. Because Jesus did not expect us to live in this world to do the works that he did without the ammunition he had. Think of that. Think about that. Jesus didn't want us fighting the fight he fought without having the ammunition he had. You know, Jesus couldn't perform any miracles till he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Did you know that? He was 30 years old before he produced his first miracle. And the only reason he could is because when he got baptized in the Jordan River, the Holy Ghost came down from heaven and he was filled. And when you read Luke 4, 1, the Bible says, and he was led into the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost. The only reason Jesus could do what he did in his three and a third years of ministry is because he got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. The Holy Ghost was never an optional blessing from heaven. It was never an optional thing. The Holy Ghost is not an option. If you can study and see what Jesus was trying to show, not only his disciples, but for everybody that came after the disciples, it was that the Holy Ghost is a necessity for the life of every single believer, the life of every single person in the kingdom of God. The Holy Ghost is your power. And if you can just take the picture, I mean, think about this, if you can take the picture of what Jesus Christ looked like on the earth, of how there was nothing going on in his life, nothing going on in his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Ghost, that should show you enough to know that you can't live without the Holy Ghost, that you cannot function without the Holy Ghost. If Jesus himself, who never sinned, by the way, who was the only begotten son of God, if he could not function without the Holy Ghost, why would we ever think that we can function and live a Christian life without the Holy Ghost? You look at what's going on around the world. If Jesus couldn't do it and he wanted us to do the same works he did, why would we ever think That we could do the same works that he did without the same power that he had. And understand, it is. I'm getting ready to produce a series of Spirit-Filled Believers Guides for for believers. The first one we're releasing that I'm working on right now is a Spirit-Filled Believers Guide to Speaking in Tongues. Because... People need to understand the truth of what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. Even though every Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling them or living in them, it's not the same as the baptism of the Holy Ghost where you receive power. There is an empowerment experience that is subsequent to salvation. You can see it throughout the New Testament. You can understand the difference in the life of Christ. Jesus never sinned. He was never a sinner, but he didn't always have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the moment that he got it, it flipped his whole life around and it began his ministry. And power began to be manifested from his life. Everywhere that he went, thousands of people came to him. To find him, to get an answer from him. And he had the answer because he had the Holy Ghost. He didn't, listen to me. He didn't become one with his father at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He became one with his father and never stopped being one with his father from the beginning of time. Think about it. He was the word made flesh. When was he made flesh? When he came in the flesh. When he was born. When he came from the Virgin Mary, he was the word made flesh. He has never ceased being the word made flesh. So he was not one with his father uh, at the point he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. He never stopped being one with the father, but the access to heavenly power came through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is so vitally important that we see this, that we understand it, that There's nothing the devil can do to stop the power of the Holy Ghost in a believer. You can't stop it. And so, one of the ways that we have to be prepared for what's going on in 2020 and and, and beyond is that we don't have to just be people of the Word. We need to be people of the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled to overflowing with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. No question, it has to be at the forefront of our Christianity. And if we think, I mean, look at what people look like in 2020 that have backed off of the Holy Ghost. Just look what it's produced. And it's not like they gave it up this year. It's been something that the seeker-sensitive church has been trying to remove for a couple of decades now. Well, look what it's produced. Look at the kinds of churches that it's produced. Look at the kinds of Christians that it's produced. People that are willing to lay down and give up their Christianity. You understand it's, it's unbelievable what it produces. The moment you remove power from the church, it's no longer the church. Catch that. The moment you remove power from the church, that'd be something to write in the comment section, by the way, the moment you remove power from the church, it's no longer the church. You catch that, don't you put it in the comments. The moment you remove power from the church, it is no longer the church. And it's so important that we understand it. Because the church, if you're truly the church, you're supposed to be doing what Jesus did, which you cannot do without power. It's impossible. With no power, you cannot Effectively preach the gospel. With no power, you cannot heal the sick. With no power, you cannot raise the dead. You cannot cleanse the leper. You cannot cast out demons. There's nothing you can do that Jesus did if you don't have power. I hope you see that. Now, do you understand the fight that's against the Holy Ghost and his baptism? Now, do you understand why the enemy's working so hard to remove the power of God from churches? Because it eliminates them from being the church. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I, I want you to understand. There was never a time. There was never a time that the apostles encountered people in the book of Acts that had gotten saved That they did not attempt, if they weren't already being filled or had been filled, did not attempt to get them filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know this, don't you? You know that the Holy Ghost indwells you at the moment of salvation, but it's not the same as the baptism. So catch this, because if you, if you don't see it, Acts 2 was Jesus' command. Don't do anything till you get filled, right? Acts 8, Philip requested, Paul or Peter and John to come from Jerusalem and get that whole city filled with the Holy Ghost. He requested them, go get Peter and John, have them come here and lay hands on these new believers and get them filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost. We know it happened because uh, Simon, the sorcerer saw it happen. There was an outward uh, manifestation of an inward work. So understand this. That was Philip's request. And Peter and John, the apostles, knew it was the next step that needed to be immediately done. And then, the next thing that happened was Acts chapter 10, when Peter went to Cornelius' house. Notice, he didn't have to wait to do it, because as they were being saved, they were being filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, If you go to Acts 19, Paul, who prayed for those uh, 12 men in Ephesus, he was the one who knew, now that you're saved, you've got to get the Holy Ghost. And it started with his understanding that every Christian should have it. And he asked them, have you received the the, the Holy Ghost since you believed? They didn't know what he was talking about. So he got them right to it. Sean, Garen, on Facebook is saying, so you want the state to back the church's authority? No, I want the state to stay out of it altogether. I want the state to shut their mouth and stay out of the church altogether like they're supposed to do. That's why there's a separation of church and state. So you shut your mouth and stay out of my freedom of religion so that I can re- I can actually practice my religion as I was uh, given the freedom to do. That people shed their blood for on the shores of other nations and this nation so that we could have it. I don't want the state to back the church's authority. The state couldn't back the church's authority if they tried because they didn't give the church authority and neither can they uphold the church's authority. I just want them to shut their mouth and get out of the church's affairs because that's what our right is as Americans. That's why we have the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the separation of church and state. I want them to shut up and get out and stop trying to govern how I praise my God, how I worship my God, how I serve my God. Because that right there, that is discrimination. What do you want to do so that you know who's part of the church? You know what would be a good idea? Get a little tattoo that we could put on everybody that's a Christian from the government. Maybe a little patch you could sew on their coats. Maybe some little camps that you could send all the Christians to so that we know who they are. Because if you don't think that's the direction it's going, you don't understand what the antichrist agenda is. And so I don't care if the state backs the church or doesn't back, just shut up and get out of the way. Just be quiet and leave us alone and let us do what we have the right to do in the United States of America, which is the freedom to practice religion as the Bible says. And so I have I could care less. If the government supports or doesn't support what I do as a Holy Ghost filled believer, they don't have they don't have the right to stop me nor shut me down. They don't have the power to support me and they don't have the power to stop me. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? The whole Old Testament, the Bible is filled with the story of governments trying to stop Christians and followers of God. You go to the New Testament, they're trying to stop Christians. Go to the Old Testament, they're trying to stop the children of God. And governments can't stop what God wants to do. Yeah. How are dead people, Robert Conover says, all these people that don't know him, speaking of God, trying to tell us how to worship it. How can a dead person govern how a living person conducts their life? I can't imagine going down to a graveyard and walking through the graveyard with a new outfit, I'm like, hey guys, does everybody think this outfit looks good on me? I don't know. I think I look a little bit fat in it. What do you think? you think I should wear this outfit today? They're dead. They don't know. How can they govern your life when they're dead? They can't. I I would never ask a dead person how I should conduct my life. What a stupid thing to do. Stupid thing to do. And we care? When did we start caring? What the government thought of the way we worship our God, praise our God, serve our God. You're going to start listening to government mandates about whether or not you can sing unto the Lord. Why don't you just leave the church if you're that weak? If you're that weak, why don't you just give up your Christianity altogether? Because let me tell you something. When the real persecution comes, you'll be on your knees begging to get out of the church. It's already starting to happen, Mackenzie. She said, do you think there's going to be a time when only the people being persecuted will be Christians? It's already starting to happen. How can every other person be on the streets protesting and rioting and not required to wear masks? And de Blasio said in New York that, that churches and people in the churches need to wear masks, but the reason they don't have to do it on the streets is because of the great significance of the protests. I mean, like... Give me a break. It's already beginning to happen. It's already beginning to happen. You know, there's stores you can go in right now where you don't have to wear a mask. I'm just telling you, it's already beginning. And if you don't think, see, I'm going to tell you something that I'll tell you because you follow me here on these platforms. My personal belief, it's all about the church and it's all about the election. Why do I say that? In the last election, In 2016, the church turned out to vote in record numbers more than in the history of the United States of America. The church, Christians turned out to vote in 2016 more than they ever had in the history of the country. And they know why Trump's in the office. Trump's in the office because Christians voted. That's exactly why. And it pissed them off. Everybody with an antichrist spirit, they're ticked off right now. So what are they trying to do? Notice how all this stuff didn't happen in the third year of his presidency or the second year of his presidency. Happened in the final year before the next election. Murder hornets, COVID-19, all this stuff. Racism in the streets, rioting in the streets, destruction of the economy, shut everybody down, lose all the jobs that went through the roof. The economy that was at the best it had ever been. To destroy all of it and we find out later it's all a hoax. Nobody's dying. 99.7% of the people that get it recover. 90 some percent of people that get it now don't have any symptoms. They're finding out that the people that they're going to the hospital for other things are finding out they have it and didn't even know they had it because they have no symptoms. But they're still putting them down as cases because they get federal money to do it. Destroying the economy, destroying the employment rate, destroying all these things, the peace of America. And and here's what, now, why why do I say it's about the church too? Here's why I say it. Because number one, the church banded together because there was a wicked woman who wanted to be the president of this nation. And if you don't know by now that Hillary Clinton is a wicked woman, you are a blind, stupid individual. All the things that are coming out, all the stuff that's going on, and if you don't understand, she's a wicked, godless woman. You have missed it, my friend. And the church knew. And the church knew what would happen if she was in the Oval Office. They knew. And they went out to vote in record numbers because she's a wicked woman. I'm just telling you. And so now what are they doing? I mean, do you honestly think that Biden is going to beat Donald Trump in an election? Can't even remember what he's running for. Can't even remember who's his sister and who's his wife. Do you honestly think he's going to beat Donald Trump? Who is going to? Who do you think is going to vote for him? Did you know that African-American support for Donald Trump since the George Floyd incident has doubled? More than doubled. My cousin was telling me it went from 17% to 38%, I believe. Of African Americans support Donald Trump. It doubled. It's not shrinking. It doubled. So what are they gonna do? Try to stir up. Listen, if they couldn't silence the church and they couldn't shut down the church, now what are they gonna do? They're gonna try to get the church to start fighting against each other. They know that the average church in America is multiracial. So now what? Well, now let's make it a black and white issue. Let's make it a let's make it a racial issue. So what? So that Christians can now get into division because they want to divide and conquer us. That's why I refuse to let anything separate me from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Nothing will separate me. Nothing will divide me. They know what the problem is. The problem is the church who is the restrainer that Paul prophesied. (laughs) And they can't stop us. They can't shut us up. They can't shut us down. Now they want to divide us in with race. Why do they want to do that? With Now with COVID and racial riots and issues and all kinds of stuff, well, now I think we should just mail in our ballots. Do you think we're stupid? Do you think we're stupid that you want us to mail in our ballots so that things can get twisted and so that if you don't think that they're going to try to steal this next election, I've never seen in my lifetime a president be hunted so continuously. Russia probes. If they couldn't impeach him, I mean, they started with his character, tried to get women to come out against him. Then they tried to impeach him. Then all, I mean, now, then the COVID stuff, then the race riots, economy, jobs, Trump's not doing anything. I've never seen a president be targeted so continuously as this one. And if you don't think they're going to try the next thing to steal the election and to rig it, you don't understand the Antichrist system. The devil does not want this nation to be a strong, independent nation. Forget forget the identity of Trump himself. He's just the man in the office. Forget the identity. The devil does not want strong, independent nations because it goes against the Antichrist one world narrative. You can't have a, a one world governmental and religious and economic system as long as there are strong independent nations. You can't. So what do we have to do? We have to destroy strong independent nations that are now dependent on global control. Many of you don't even know. One of you don't even many of you don't even know that one of the things they did during this time was that the UN proposed a temporary one-world government system to take care of this worldwide pandemic. My Uncle Tiff tweeted it. Go back. I put it on the broadcast a couple months ago. They suggested it. We should come up with some sort of a temporary one-world government. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. That's the agenda of the Antichrist system. That is the agenda. They want to control us globally. You look at everything that's going on. Of course it's going that way. I mean, I don't have time to get, maybe I'll come back on tomorrow and talk about global one world control and the steps being taken, but understand it. It's a fight against the people of God. And just because you want to mask it with everything else, well, you know, they go to wear, you go to wear a mask to go into this place. You think it's about shop and save? You think it's about Publix? You think it's about, think it's about Applebee's? You think this whole thing's about Hobby Lobby? It's not. It's not. It's about the Antichrist agenda that's at work in the earth. It's about the election. It's about the church. And if you don't understand that by now, you need to understand it. That's why we've got to be people of the word. We have to know who we are. See, because if we don't know who we are, they'll try to convince us of who we are. Well, you're irresponsible. You're just irresponsible nut jobs out there that think your God's going to save you, some invisible guy in the sky. They'll try to paint you as crazy. Well, it doesn't matter. They've already got evangelical Christians on the terror terror watch list because apparently we're too edgy. They want us to shut up. It's about the church. It's about global control. It's about an antichrist agenda. If you don't think it is, it absolutely is. You have to know who you are. You better be a person of the word and you better believe the Bible's true. And you you better believe it means what it says and says what it means and that you can believe it and trust it and stand on it. And it'll work for people who have faith. And you better be a person of the Holy Spirit. You better be a person who's walking in power and authority and glory And let me tell you, number three, the third thing you must know, you had better know in 2020, the hour we're living in because it'll fill you with urgency. That is so, so important to hear. It's one thing to be a person of the word and the spirit, but if you've got no urgency, you won't take the action that you need to take. Urgency is everything. That's why Jesus pumped his disciples full of urgency. John 9.4 Work while it's yet day For the night is coming Where no man can work Pump them full of urgency The harvest is plenteous And the laborers are few Pray to the Lord of the harvest That he'll send laborers into the harvest field Pump them full of urgency Why? Because urgency is what sets you in motion Gets you to take action Urgency Jesus is coming We've seen everything we need to see. There's nothing else that needs to be seen before Jesus could come and rapture his church. In all honesty, there's never been anything because the, the rapture is a signless coming. You hear preachers sometimes say, well, you know, brother, there's no more prophecies that have to be fulfilled before Jesus could come. There are no prophecies that ever had to be fulfilled. It was a, It's a signless coming. All the prophecies that have to be fulfilled are prophecies that predict the second coming of Christ. Not the rapture, the second coming. And we've already seen those. Israel's a nation again. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, famine, pestilence. We're seeing all of it. Days of Noah, corruption and violence. Days of Lot, sexual perversion, and people proud of it. We're already seeing it. It's done. So if we're seeing signs for his second coming... How much closer are we to the rapture of the church? Ask yourself the question. How much closer are we to the rapture of the church? We're very close. And we better have urgency, man. Don't get zombified. Don't let them lock you into the become the walking dead where you just go school, home, work, home, doing your chores, doing dinner, getting with your family, saying goodnight, watching a movie, binge watching Netflix, going. Don't fall into that and become a zombie. Just coasting through life with no knowledge of the time we're living in. Jesus is coming. People aren't ready. People aren't ready. But I refuse to let my heart grow cold. I feel the anointing on this. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. I'm not going to let my heart grow cold. I'm not going to allow myself to be one of those that fall away from the truth and get lukewarm before Jesus Christ comes back. I refuse. I'm going to be one that stands on the word and believes it's true and knows that it'll work when you put your faith in it. I'm going to be somebody that's not only baptized with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to keep getting refilled and refilled and refilled with the Holy Ghost and stir my faith up and stir my spirit up, edify myself by speaking in tongues. And then I'm going to be somebody that keeps my eyes on eternity, knowing. Jesus is coming soon, and the time's running out. I'm going to live like it's my last day. I'm going to preach like it's my last message. I'm going to call people to Christ like it's the last opportunity they'll ever have. It may well be, but I'll. I promise you this: I'm not going to compromise the truth to please the Antichrist spirit of this world. I can promise you that. I'm not going to kneel down. And just sit around and just do whatever they tell us because it makes people comfortable. I'm not doing it. Don't you do it. Don't you do it in Jesus' name. And I'm praying for you at the end of this broadcast that this is going to be, the final six months, this is going to be a time where the boldness of the Holy Ghost leaps up in your spirit. And you start taking steps of action that you've maybe never taken before, but now is your time. And God's going to anoint you mightily, mightily to do the works of Christ. You are important. You're anointed. You're full of power. You're full of glory. Let me read something real quick because this, this stirs me up every time I read it. Go to Romans eight. Let me, let me show you something in Romans eight. Something that gets me dancing, man. Listen to this. I'll start with verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now look at verse 29. I love this. For the, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now look at this. Here's where I love. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Hallelujah. I want you to type it in the comments. My spirit has been glorified. That just means filled with glory. My spirit has been glorified. Pop that in the comment section. If you're justified, you've been glorified. And one day... Even your body will be glorified. But your spirit is full of glory. Put it in the comments, I've been glorified. He glorified you by the power of his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every person watching or listening right now. I ask you, Lord, to impart to them today a super natural boldness in the mighty name of Jesus set us on fire. Do not let us be one of these cold, shriveled, dead Christians that's falling away. We'll never be that. We will never be that, but we will be on fire until Jesus comes. We will never stop getting hotter and hotter and hotter. We'll never be cold, never be cold, we're set on fire, we're anointed, we've been equipped, we've got every blessing in heavenly places. There's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so today, quicken us by that mighty power of your Holy Spirit, set us on fire, give us an urgency, give us a heart for the lost, give us a a love for souls And let us do everything we can do to bring them into the kingdom before it's too late in Jesus' name. We refuse to kneel to an antichrist system or agenda in Jesus' name. We refuse it. We give you praise, Lord, that we are the remnant. We'll be used by you before it's too late to do what you've called us to do. We will be used by your presence and by your power. Open doors for us, doors of opportunity in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you. We give you praise. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and shout aloud, amen in Jesus name. Thank you for those of you that are, that have been sowing seeds as I've been teaching. I'm going to give everybody, there I am. I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to sow a seed before I go off because we're doing everything that we can do to see people changed by the power of God before it's too late. Doing everything we can do. And Jesus is coming very soon. And I thank God for you. Those of you that are our partners, our friends that stand with us, we prayed and asked God to send you to us. And God's answered our prayer, Carolyn and me. And so I'm asking you now, those of you that are a part of this uh broadcast, ask the Lord what he would have you to do. What seed can you sow monthly to stand with this ministry and partner? What is it that God would use you to do, to be a blessing to your generation and to the world? What is it that God would do? And I'm telling you, he'll speak to you. If you'll ask him, he'll speak to you right now. He'll speak to you right now. So let's pray and ask the Lord because thank you, JC. I appreciate it. Let's pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do. It is important. It is important. Because many people don't realize this. You're changing your generation by the seeds you're sowing, by your own personal dedication. So Father, I ask you to speak to every man or woman that's watching or listening. Give them an instruction from heaven about what you'd have them to sow and to partner with monthly that would change this generation before Jesus comes. And we know he's coming soon. So speak to every heart, Lord, and we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. The easiest way to do it is to go to MiracleWord.com and to click on the Give or the Partner page and to stand with us. You can fill out the form and set up a monthly seed. Whatever it is the Lord's asking you to do, just be obedient. He'll bless you. If you're in the United States, you can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, or hashtag Donate in the comments if you're on Periscope, uh, Twitter, or Facebook. YouTube, you can't. But you can use those other methods if you're on YouTube as well. I believe with you, Norman. Financial increase and blessing coming, and uh, I've got some big announcements coming this month. I can't wait to tell you, big announcements. When I told you that May was our month of miracles and June was our month of testimonies, it was in Jesus' name. Never-ending increases hitting every one of us, and these last six months are going to be the best that we've ever had. They're going to be the best we've ever had. Joel, thank you. For sowing that seed of $200. I appreciate you very much. Uh, Who did I just see before Joel? Uh, JC, thank you for sowing that seed of $50. Christine, thank you for sowing your seed. I appreciate you. If the link doesn't come up for you to complete your donation, you can always complete it at miracleword.com. But those of you using hashtag donate, there should be a link that comes up in the comments for you to click and complete your donation if you've not already set up on account with hashtag donate good world, and uh, we appreciate you Let me tell you what I'm gonna do for everybody that is standing with us in the month of July we're going to be uh, Sending you this powerful book by dr. John Avanzini. It's called rich God poor God And it changes your perception of Christ. He wasn't poor. He wasn't broke. He wasn't homeless He was blessed. He wasn't cursed This book opened my eyes, showed me things I'd never seen before from the Bible about the blessing that Christ lived in. He was not poor, it'll bless you too. That's our gift to you, for those that are partnering at $85 or more this month. And then also for people that are sowing largely, seeds of $1,000 or more. And many people are doing that. We're doing two things for you as well. Number one, we're sending you a genuine leather Life Application Study Bible. And number two, a hardcover edition of uh, further Faster, my brand new book that just came out. We're sending that to you as well to say a big thank you to those that are sowing largely personally or from your business, uh, whatever the Lord speaks to you to do. We've had people standing with us at larger amounts. and we want you to know it makes a difference. We Do you know what's awesome? During the quarantine, the shutdown, the pandemic, We never paused our sewing. In fact, we gave more away during that time. Tens of thousands of dollars. You know, we never stopped feeding the children overseas. Never one day. Every day, hundreds of children ate and continued to eat and were blessed. We never felt the effects of the shutdown, the pandemic. God blessed us and we're continuing to be a blessing. Let me say one more time before we do anything else. Carolyn's book is about to drop and I'm so excited. If you didn't get a chance to pre-order your copy, go to shop.miracleword.com and grab your copy of Lines. This book is going to bless you and build your faith. It's about declaration and confessions of faith. How to create confessions and boundaries that your enemy can't cross. It's going to bless you. I encourage you to go to shop.miracleword.com and pre-order yours today. We're getting ready to send it to print, and I can't wait to get it in your hands. I'm so proud of my wife. She did an amazing job. If you're listening to me on the podcast right now, you can swipe up, and these links will be in the description of the podcast for you to sew or to order uh, the book, whatever you're going to do. And let me just say, for those of you that don't know, Miracle Word University is a great resource for you to build your faith on the stuff that I'm talking about today. We have a whole course on the Holy Ghost, divine healing, prayer, mountain moving faith. We've bundled them all together. And if you'd like to go deeper in this study, you can go to MiracleWordU.com and we made a bundle where you get 28% off, which means you get a course for free. You can get over 20 hours of teaching at MiracleWordU.com on your phone, tablet, laptop, do it at your own pace. It will build your faith in a massive, massive way. I love you guys. I'll be back again tomorrow in the morning, 10.30 a.m., same time, Eastern Time. And tomorrow, I, I made up my mind, I'm going to talk about this globalist, antichrist one-world agenda. It's going to open your eyes to things maybe you've never seen before and why it's headed in this direction. That's what we're going to talk about. Don't miss it. I love you. Have a great day. Don't forget to wish my mom on Facebook or whatever. Happy birthday, Bonnie Shuttlesworth. I love you guys. Have a great day and thanks for hanging with me. Talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.